Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Well Found. I'm your host, Tim Coons. We began season five with Dylan Fixmer. He's the composer in residence with the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra. We told the story of how he became a composer in episode one, and today, for episode two, we continue speaking with him. Again, this podcast is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. For more, head to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Before we get into the show, I want to ask a question. What do the five following things have in common? Five following things. What does a photography book of Weld County by John Fielder, a children's art installation at the Link Library by Wes Bruce, Concerts Under the Stars at the University of Northern Colorado, the enrichment of Missile Site Park, and a symphonic work about Weld County by Dylan Fixmer. What do all of these five things have in common? Looking at them initially, to me, many seem to have some artistic leanings, photography, art, music. They also all seem to celebrate uniquely our own region, the photographs, the symphonic work, This is original work about us, our home, things that you're not going to encounter anywhere else. They're also all fairly public, in a library, free concerts outside a public park. Each item on the list, at its best, it, it tends to be something that makes you just love your community. That sense of local love and loyalty, it brings people together, endearing people to a place. Each of these are really good things for our community. Let me list them just once more. A photography book about Weld County, a large-scale art installation at the new Library and Innovation Center, free concerts in July on UNC's campus, the enrichment of a new open space between Greeley and Windsor, a symphonic work inspired by Weld County. I can say this, what do all these things have in common? They were all made possible because of a single charitable fund. The Impact Fund at the foundation was created largely by Howard Smith and his wife Marjorie. You know that giant Kodak building by Windsor? Howard was the general manager there for years. And he started this fund in the 70s at the foundation and said, well, let the board do as they see fit with this gift. And the money was invested and has been returning to all of us ever since. And in just the last few years, with the Foundation Board's guidance, it's been really enriching our whole region, making our home even better. I just wanted to tell you that quick history, because I'm fascinated by how good things come about. In many cases, we don't know where from. Would any of us have known that all these good things were coming from someone's generosity and vision from years ago? It's interesting to me to shed a little light on good that is happening right underneath all of our attention. So let's now jump into that last one on the list. Seven Symphonic Portraits by Dylan Fixmer. It's a symphonic work that is a reflection on Weld County. I stopped by Dylan's home for a second time a couple weeks ago to talk about this his new piece, and he's going to take us through it, movement by movement. The piece is premiering October 14th, 2023, at the Greeley Philharmonic Concert in Greeley, Colorado. I I hope to see you all there. I asked Dylan, would you be a guide for us? 
Let's pretend we're sitting down before the concert, before hearing this new work. Walk us through it. What should we be listening to? What are the stories that will bring us deeper into the music? So he sat at his piano. He played me some of the chords, some of the melodies. And we'll be hearing that for movements one through six. And then for the last movement, you get to hear the playback from a computer processing the score. And the downside of this is it does sound a little bit like a video game. It sounds like it's from a computer. It's not the best portrayal of what the work will sound like, but I'm hoping it helps us to hear a little better of what Dylan is hearing, what he's imagining. And then you'll be even more excited about the concert on Saturday, October 14th, as everything truly comes to life. One more interesting thing about the evening, the Greeley History Museum will be doing seven stations in the lobby as you come in. So you can see some of the historical documents and pictures, what Dylan is referencing in the musical work. Dylan talks about this a couple times in our interview. My first question was, Dylan, how did this thing come to be? And he pulled out his journal and started referencing a few passages. Here's Dylan Fixmer. So, yeah, I mean, we... I was just looking at this the other day because the museum wants my notebook or at least like copies of my notebook pages about all of this stuff. Um, so I was looking back and seeing from a meeting on July 15th of 2021, um, Lowell and I met to talk about a Greeley symphony, wanted to wanted to have me look into like cultural connections and like um, how people arrived here and um, the idea of the Great Plains and what, what story does it tell. But most importantly, he asked the question, what brings us here? And so what I went away with from that meeting was, well, I need to do a ton of research about Weld County's history and, and Greeley's history and get a sense for where the commonalities lie, because initially I had set out and I was like, well, I'll do a historical kind of thing. And what I kept on finding was the more I wanted to do a historical presentation, the more I didn't like the music that I was doing. It was all informed by historical musics and it felt appropriative and it felt strange and it didn't feel like my voice at all. Well, what do I really want to tell about this? Like, his, history informs us and like these major players in history are important to showcase, but do they really get to like the broader idea of the human experience and namely the human experience as it is in Weld County or in Greeley specifically? And so what I did was I tried to collect as much information from as many different people as possible and the museum made that very easy for me because they have this collection of oral histories and it's these giant file cabinets in the basement and it's just file after file after file of people talking about their experience living in Greeley and in Weld County. I've heard they're strict down there like you're not allowed to like bring in a cup of coffee and things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's very tricky. The The coffee bit was tough for me because I'd go in in the morning and I'd like go in there and Katie would be like, you can't have that. I was like, oh, okay. So I'd leave the coffee outside and I could run in and I'd read a bunch of files and then I'd run outside into the hallway and like take a <laughs> swig of coffee and like go back in. 
And so I read through so many of them looking for commonalities. When I would find things that I really liked, I would go and ask them, hey, can I have access to the audio files? I'd love to hear the person say these kinds of things. Um, that process of going back and forth between listening and reading all of these oral histories kind of led me to this these snapshots of how, or themes around how people exist um, in this particular area. And so the seven movements of this that it kind of shaped out are representative of common experience within people in Weld County, and not only in history, but like present day. And then the idea is that it's also kind of looking towards the future. So what I did was I tried to distill all of those oral histories and all of those photographs that go with them into these movements. So the seven portraits are a cycle themselves. And each movement represents something, some shared experience of, of the people going down there and reading individual histories and looking at how that could be a shared experience was a really cool yeah, it was like sitting down with lots and lots of people for hours and hours and hours and, and getting a sense of what people wanted out of life. And, you know, you start hearing from so many different people the same things and you start seeing like, oh, okay, so everybody's even these wildly different experiences that everybody has. It seems like people have a lot in common. And that, I think, was really cool for me was seeing how much everybody had in common with each other, but how much I had in common with it, with everybody else. And people would say some things that I totally disagreed with. Like I would read something and just be there and say to myself, wow, I can't imagine hearing that. Like, I don't know how I would respond to that statement. And yet a couple of pages later, I'd read something and be like, well, this is exactly how I feel about this. So, you know, I think it's a very humbling experience to walk into a situation and be like, oh, I, think I know people and then be told, no, you don't know anything about people. <laughs> so that was a really cool. So Dylan does a deep dive into researching our region. Interviews from the past, some written, some recorded, and photographs too, gathering all these elements. And the piece turned out not to be a, a historical work, but more of a reflection of who Weld County is and a cycle of what a community is. As Dylan explained it to me, it began to sound almost like a hero's journey, except for a specific place. The hero, the community, ventures out and then returns more fully themselves. We're going to let Dylan now take us through the seven movements, give us musical glimpses at each portrait. Here are the seven, reflections on Weld County, but also of the life of a community. Number one, dreaming, visions of utopia. Number two, Yearning, searches for knowledge. Number three, changing, cycles of renewal. Number four, enduring, hard times. Number five, judging, divisions between us. Number six, celebrating, moments of unity. And number seven, imagining, utopia re-envisioned. Here's Dylan sitting now by his piano, sharing parts of the work. It starts with a movement called Dreaming of Utopia. And essentially the idea is that everybody who arrives here seems to be yearning for some sort of betterment of place. Like this spot has a, a 
innate ability to bring out a dreamer in, in people. And that idea of, wow, what can I make of my, my life and my world based on this space? There are um, Arapaho chants that fit that. So the, the English translation of the Arapaho song, so the, the English translation is, my children, my children, here it is, I give it to you, the earth, the earth. And that, that, that struck me as like the foundational piece. There is the uh, Union Colony and Nathan Meeker's dream of a utopia. There are um, immigrants from Central America coming to this area and establishing the Spanish colony. There are um, uh, people from Japan coming here to establish um, a, a better life for themselves. I mean, it's, it's so many different aspects of that kind of American melting pot. And it's very indicative of that. But there's something very keen about this particular area. Everybody seems to believe that this spot in particular has some sort of magic that, or has some sort of ability to create that utopia. And that is, so that's where I started the idea that if, if people are going to start there with their journey, that's where everybody in the audience needs to start their journey is this dreaming of utopia. And so the next thing that I started looking at was, um, well, what do they do when they get here? And the fascinating thing about it is everybody seems to kind of have the same idea. Great, it's, well, I'm, I'm here because I want my kids to do well, and what do my kids need to do to do well? They need to know stuff. So we want all of the knowledge to go to them, and that looks very different depending on who you're talking to, but it essentially is it's this idea of yearning for knowledge. Everybody wants more knowledge. Everybody wants to have a better understanding of their world, and they really want to pass that on to their children and next generation. You see that very clearly, you know, Union Colony was established, and then they built this absolutely amazing and beautiful, which sadly no longer stands, but the first thing they built was this massive school, and it's, it was gorgeous. It was, you know, <laughs> it looked almost like a cathedral from the outside, but, you know, that was their that was their mission and that was their goal. And you look around at a lot of the things that people still really want to invest in and, and want to put their time and energy into, it's education. They want opportunities for young people to have these experiences. And so that idea of yearning for knowledge was what I really went on. And interestingly enough, there's like a, one thing that stood out to me was this want to know club, which was a women's club of, and it's been, it's been around since the, very beginning of the 20th, uh, yeah, the 20th century. And if not the very end of the 19th century, well, actually not. I mean, I think it has ties to like Meeker's family and, and like, it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, a friend of mine, Diana Wayeno yeah. is in it. And, and she was like, this, this club goes back to wherever, but it is a um, club for curious women. Yeah, so as a nod to them, their the um the hymn that they use for their club song is actually featured in that second movement the the part of the journey of that search for knowledge is kind of woven into that song because it was such a fascinating thing to see would you play it for me on the piano sure i'll start here i guess
So that's... What hymn is that? It's called Scatter Seeds of Kindness. And so that's interwoven into the second movement. It is, yeah. So we have dreaming, visions of utopia, yearning, searches for knowledge. And then three is changing, cycles of renewal. This initially struck me when I saw a series of photographs that were the breaking ground on the original um, city management building in the early, early 20th century. And then, so it was a series that went breaking ground, building the building, the building is standing, and then tearing down the building, and then breaking ground on the new one, and then construction of the new one, and then there it is standing, and it's still standing today. But the concept there was very interesting to me, and especially since we live in such an agricultural community that is very used to the cycles of change. You know, it's a yearly thing, right? Something becomes, it is, and then it goes away. And so this constant flux of changes made me think of, well, how, how does that get reinterpreted by us as a, as a, as a people? You know, what, what did the changes of seasons really do for us? And so what I designed the piece to kind of feel like is this ever progressing sense of, oh, I've lived these seasons before, oh, I've lived these seasons before. So there's um, four chords. There's a series of four chords that all have a certain relationship to each other. Those four chords get fleshed out in every single combination that you can go through in terms of key structure. And then that whole cycle happens three times. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I can hear that. And so it's like just the same, like reiterations of, of the same chords in different ways and manners. Oh, that's right. so cool. And um, I think I've said this before, but I'm fascinated with birds. And so the chickadee call is that that kind of little thing at least in my own mind i know that chickadee would be like that's not my song but you know they go which you can occasionally hear around here they're not super popular but every now and again they just they show up at a certain time of year like kind of actually it's kind of around this time like a little late summer early fall and um which is another nice thing about that idea that like, so some things permanently are constantly in flux and some things move in and out of time, and, but they're always coming back, you know? And I think bird, bird migrations are such a fascinating concept with that, you know, you can predict them. I, so uh, beautiful, tell them about the fourth movement. Cool, so the fourth and fifth movement are now kind of a, juxtapo a juxtaposition and then they get re-juxtaposed with the sixth movement. So there's a little bit of contextualization here. So the fourth movement is entitled Enduring Hard Times. And this gets at the kind of more global situations that we hear of in history class, the big, the big ticket items that affect us all, a pandemic, a war, a, you know, a tragedy of some kind, that a natural disaster. All of these things that really change history for lots and lots of people very, very quickly. So recounting the world wars for Greeley, 
recounting uh, the Dust Bowl, recounting the Great Depression, uh, recounting the many wars in between the Great Wars and now, <laughs> recounting the other economic situations that people have been in, the agricultural uh, successes and, and failures, but they're all kind of this outside force um, being imposed on us, which is a very interesting concept to me, that there's a uniting aspect to these hard hardships that people work together and they move through. There's a crazy couple of photos from Dust Bowl era, not like the giant, you know, Kansas clouds that of just walls of dust that are terrifying, but more just this like, all the crops are dead. Everything looks rough. It's tough. And that was kind of the, yeah, that was the, the main drive behind that, that image. As a piece of music, it's, heartbreaking, but it's full of pride as well. And it's full of hope and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't give up, you know, it has that sense of, of, uh, steadfastness. And I think that's not going to be very difficult for the audience to, to get behind. I think that's actually a very easy concept to get behind. And I say that because the sixth movement is where things are going to get a little sketchy and rocky. And the reason being is because when the hardship comes from within ourselves and it comes from the indifference that we feel towards each other or the prejudices that we have against each other, that's when it becomes a harder conversation. It's easy to say, well, that's out there and we're all here and we're fighting against this thing. That's easy enough. But when it's, when it's us, when we're the problem or at least part of the problem, then it's a much harder conversation. There's kind of two camps that the orchestra gets split into. It's the strings versus everybody else. <laughs> and the strings are very firmly rooted in a, in a mode, an Aeolian mode, which means it's a minor key without any sort of alterations of the minor. It's a, it's a pure going back to the Greek um, minor mode. Uh, the so the C is the is the key. Interestingly enough, the rest of the orchestra is also playing in C, but they're playing in C major and very um, very uh, modern C major. So there's lots of secondary dominances and other things that pull away from the tonic, but also very firmly establish that C is the key, but it's C major. And then it comes kind of crashing back together where everything is now going on top of itself, and. That's where I think a lot of people are. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers, nobody stands up and leaves because it's, it's hard to listen to. But it's, the purpose of that is very, is very intentional. It's hard for us to sit in our own skin 
and and reconcile that idea of indifference, why we have indifference towards others, why we have prejudice towards others. And so that ability for us to grapple with that in a sonic space and and come to grips with that feeling is is another separation. It's the point of art that we can look at a piece of art and go, oh yeah, I've made a mistake. I see that. I'm, I'm at a loss for where I am in this now. <laughs> um, but you can imagine, yeah, I mean, yeah, the... So four is enduring hard times, and five is judging divisions between us. And so, then this, you said this really sets up movement six? Yeah, so movement six is the opposite of judging divisions between us. Six is celebrating moments of unity. And I set this up with um, a simpler melody, and then the melody kind of is swept up into this dance, which is meant to be a contra dance. Um, contra dance or country? Contra. Okay, what's um, a contra dance? So a contra dance is a traditional folk dance of lots of different cultures from around the world. Um, you find contra dances in England and Ireland and kind of the UK area. Um, you find contra dances in France, Eastern European countries, and Russia. Um, they're very common dances in which it's it's kind of those lines of people. If you ever see like a barn dance, you go and see people doing dances because contra means to be against. So it's literally against dancing, but in that way that you contra dance, you don't actually dance against in a like divisive way. You dance against in terms of, I have a partner, they're across from me, and I'm doing all these moves to move around them and to create this sense of unity. So I thought the contra dance was a very beautiful way to showcase this idea of, yeah, it doesn't matter the indifference that we had before, the way that we get out of this is to have this reckoning um, or this this idea that we're we're coming together with a unified vision again. Would you play the melody one more time for me? Yeah. Um, and so the sixth movement is very short, but it sets up the seventh movement very nicely in the sense that it. It's attempting to heal the wounds and get a path towards healing the wounds from the fifth movement. The story, at least, um, from this one is about building a church. And the, the idea was that when they were building it, they were literally fundraising brick by brick. People would buy individual bricks of the church. So there was there was one person who was really struggling in the community and everybody like um, told him like, it's okay, we're gonna take care of you and all this stuff and he, he had to leave, so he left. And um, kind of right in the middle of the church being built and then as it would happen, the, the, there wasn't enough money to get the church built and people were really worried about, you know, this thing. And suddenly um, the guy telling the story is like, and I just got a letter in the mail with a whole bunch of cash in it. And it was from this guy who the community had helped out. And he was like, 
I owe you all this money back. I hope it can buy some bricks for the church. And they were able to like finish the church and, you know, do all this thing. And so that was such a cool concept of that. We help each other out and we don't turn backs to people who need help. And you never know, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice parable in, in that sense. You never know what an act of kindness is going to turn around and become an act of kindness in some other way. And then the seventh movement is the one that is, is meant to kind of illustrate everything that you've learned along the journey. So kind of like you were saying about the hero's journey thing, the seventh movement moves us into the same place where we were, which is dreaming of utopia. Now we're going to imagine, we're going to see imagining utopia re-envisioned which is the sense of, great, all these lessons that we've learned, where can we go and what can we learn from that? And what do we want out of our utopia? Because we can still have it. We didn't really arrive yet, but that doesn't mean that we're not constantly arriving at a newer spot. But what I want you to hear in there is, instead of, so now it's become, with the piece. I'm hoping that it's very personal for people. I'm hoping that they find a sense of pride and a sense of belonging and perhaps a sense of better connection than they did before. A sense that there's stuff out there and if they are feeling isolated or alone or not feeling the sense of community that's out there that that might be dispelled in some way that there's a lot of community to be had out there not there here there's a lot of community to be had out here and that i hope they i hope that they walk away with something akin to feeling ready to go back to to do the the good work. I hope that it, it's meaningful to people in that way. I hope people find it beautiful and healing. I hope people find it difficult and uncomfortable for a moment. And then I hope that it brings them great catharsis to know that this is a journey. Um, towards the end, we do get this kind of triumphant Finally hearing the, the initial melody fleshed out um, in a, uh, instead of a dreaming of utopia, a more of like a mature approach to it.
So one of the things that I'm really excited about is the Greeley Museum is going to have a um, an exhibit that goes along with this with objects and photographs and writing all about the, the different movements. And the cool thing about the seventh movement is it's going to be a big part of it is going to be a big blank board. And it's got a big question at the top. Essentially, the idea is, how do you envision utopia? What is it that our community can do to move towards that? And so we're going to have sticky notes and people just stick stuff up there on the board on what they envision, how they envision us moving forward. Big thank you to Dylan Fixmer. Thank you for sharing this work with us today. We're excited for its premiere October 14th at the Union Colony Civic Center for the Greeley Philharmonic Orchestra to premiere the piece. What an honoring thing to have about our home, about our community. If you'd like to hear more of Dylan's music, follow the link in this show's description. Thank you to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College for Sound Engineering. Today's show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation. Head to weldcommunityfoundation.org for more. Thanks again for listening to Weld Found. Rate us on iTunes, share us with a friend, let them know season five is now out. <laughs>